you love to talk about your dog almost too much? Us too, which is why we created a space where we celebrate it. This is for those who love the four-legged friends they rescued because they got rescued right back. Each week, we bring on a dog mom or a dad to talk about their rescue dogs and how they changed their lives. This is Rescue Dog Moms, a parenting podcast. I'm Yamini, and this is Boss. Hello, Rescue Dog Moms and Dads. Welcome to the Rescue Dog Moms podcast. Today is a big day for the pod. Hope you enjoyed our brand new intro that just played. I've launched a brand new logo. And if you're following us on social media, you'll see a little more news that I'll chat about in just a second. Today's podcast features Katie, a foster dog mom extraordinaire. Today's episode I've called Fostering 201 because you might remember we've had a 101 episode and I think she is the perfect foster to show you kind of like that 201 upgrade. Katie has fostered 22 dogs since 2019, it might be more, and she openly calls it an addiction. This conversation was so fun. Katie was my first IRL guest (laughs) since I started this podcast during the pandemic. We had a great time talking about the challenges but amazing rewards of fostering. If you're looking for information on fostering or people in your life are looking to foster and are nervous, this episode is for you. Katie also owns a small business, an apparel business called Hot Diggity Apparel. They give back 10% to rescues in the GTA and I'm proud to announce that Rescue Dog Moms has launched a Foster Fail t-shirt in partnership with Hot Diggity Apparel. This t-shirt features Boss, My Dog, eating some homework and the t-shirt comes in two neutral colors. 10% of the sales will be going back to Second Chance Animal Sanctuary who is owned by another friend of the pod, Angela. I'm so excited for my first collaboration in this space. So I hope you guys are interested to at least check it out. I will leave links in the pod description. Thank you for listening to this long intro. Hope you enjoyed the episode. If you do, please, please, review us on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps our podcast grow. See you next time. Hi, Katie. Welcome to Rescue Dog Moms again. Hi. (laughs) Thank you for having me. For all of you listening, we recorded this in the middle of lockdown with terrible internet and it did not work out. So I have with me now my first in-person guest, which I'm, I'm personally very pumped about. This is very exciting to be here. IRL. Yeah, the recording last time was pretty difficult. I feel like we kept talking over each other and repeating things to try and get it clear across the channels. And um, this is going to be easier, I think. I hope. I think so, too. I think it's definitely going to be easier. As we usually do, let's start, Ms. Dog Mom, and talk about your kiddos. So I have two dogs of my own. Queso, who's about eight years old now. She's a rescue from Mexico. She's been with me for five and a half years. She looks like a Whippet Chihuahua mix. That's what I tell people. Um, But she's just a street mutt, you know, classic combination of who knows what. And then Beatrix is my Southern Belle. She's from Texas. I adopted Beatrix 
just over two years ago. I think she's a cattle dog mixed with maybe a retriever, possibly a Great Pyrenees, but she's like a lot smaller than a Great Pyrenees, but she's just very white and fluffy with her like red kind of speckles. So I don't know. I have never done DNA, DNA tests for her, thought about it, but didn't really have the best results with queso, so... What I, did queso say? Uh, I used DNA My Dog, and it told me queso was a bloodhound mixed with a Chinese Sharpay what? and a Chow Chow. And then there was, like, a third one that was... Or a fourth breed that was, like, maybe 10% that was, like, like a min pin or something. Like, something that actually was like, you know, a lean sort of shaped body like similar to hers, but like the rest just like didn't make sense. She does have purple spots on her tongue. So I was like, okay, chow chow, baby, you know. Yeah. But she's probably just a mix of like a hundred breeds. Yeah. She's just a street dog from Mexico. So I don't know. But yeah, those are those are my dogs. They're pretty sweet. What do you know about their rescue story? Did the rescue doctor from tell you anything? So with queso when I adopted her, they told me she was two years old. I knew that she came from Cancun, from a shelter there. And the story I think I got was that she'd maybe been in, in the shelter or like, I think she was in a vet office or something. They were trying to adopt her out. The story I got was that she'd been there for like maybe a month or something. And then literally like maybe earlier this year, somebody who also adopted a dog from that same shelter in Cancun sent me a link to their Facebook, which I, like, I never knew the name of the shelter, never really looked into it. All of a sudden I like went through like a rabbit hole deep dive scrolling through all these photos. I found puppy photos of Queso. Oh my God. With her entire litter. That's the dream. The dream. And, but like, even with the dating and everything, I realized that like, she was closer to like three years old. So I was like, I've lost like a year of my dog's life. And also like, I thought she grew up on the streets. Yeah. I thought she'd only recently been like rescued and had been like in shelter care for, you know, a month or whatever they told me, but she grew up in a shelter. She lived there for the first three years of her life pretty wow. much. Um, but it's weird because like her being born on the street, like she still has all these, this kind of like trauma from it, I think, even though she was still so young when she got into the shelter system. But I think she like got bullied at the shelter or something, Aww. just the way that she kind of like acts around other dogs and things like that. Always trying to like prove that she's the tough girl that she is. With Beatrix, I don't know a ton about her story other than she came from Odessa, Texas. She was in the shelter there. I don't know much before that, but I know the people that like pulled her from the shelter and she stayed on their farm until she was able to make the trip to Canada with Queso too. Going back to Queso, I guess I should probably mention the fun trip that she had to Canada. Oh yeah, um, it's when, an eventful one. When she arrived at the airport here in Toronto, she somehow got loose from her crate and she ran from the airport and was like lost for two days hiding in a parking lot. This was in March as well. She'd never seen snow before and then she was all of a sudden living in it. Yeah, it took a couple days. There's a professional dog tracker helping out. Uh, they ended up putting a trap out. They ended up putting a dirty baby diaper in the trap to capture her. That was the thing that went that she what? went after. It wasn't like fried chicken or like stinky cat food. <laughs> My dog wanted a dirty diaper. Yeah. That was the thing that got her. Like apparently, I guess that's like a thing. Dogs in Mexico, if they find one of those in the garbage, it's like a nice treat for them. Them, I guess. Wow. So, that is, uh, yeah. Yeah. Gross. But, Real gross. you know, <laughs> different strokes. Yeah. Different dogs. Totally. Yeah. So that's my dirty dog. Tell me about what they're like. What are their personalities like? 
Queso's definitely like an introvert. Doesn't really care so much for other dogs. She's better now with people like than she was when I first adopted her. But you know, if anybody has a treat, she will gladly take it from them. She will just like stare you down till you feed her kind of thing. But like when I first adopted her, like she didn't want anyone like touching her or anything. Like she's a completely different dog today than she was then. But yeah, she's definitely like a mama's girl. Like I'm her favorite thing in existence. And she was my very first foster dog and we developed this bond really quickly and so I ended up adopting her. Beatrix is definitely like the the more like rebellious child, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. She just has more spunk to her. She's definitely more outgoing. She loves men. <laughs> I, I think one day she's gonna leave me for a man. I do think that's gonna happen. Like, Queso's like, you know, I'm like her ride or die, but Beatrix, like, she's gonna find a nice man one day to settle down with and leave me. I just, I'm just waiting for it to happen. I can relate to that. <laughs> Boss is just ready. He's like, if I just disappear from his life, I kind of feel like he wouldn't notice if Dan was around. It's like a harsh feeling. Yeah. Like, I just want to be like the center, like their center of attention. You know? Yeah. And, I, that's, and that's what I'm used to with Queso. And then Beatrix comes along and she's like, yeah, you're cool, mom. But like, but who's like, that guy? Yeah. <laughs> Introduce me. Yeah. 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 She loves people. She's really gentle. She's really good with kids. She has terrible prey drive. You know, she would eat any furry creature she could that she found outside. So that's been a big, big thing to work on over the years, I think. And just like- she ever brought you a furry creature? <clears throat> I wouldn't say she brought it to me, but I do have like a very like disturbing story. We were walking down a sidewalk and there was like a bush like right next to the sidewalk. And all of a sudden she just shoved her head into this bush and it pulled her out and she had a dead skunk in her oh. mouth. It was already dead and she started like shaking her head back and forth and all of the skunk juice like just started like coming out like and just covered her like white fur in this like highlighter green liquid. Like it wasn't like, you know, a dog getting sprayed with like yeah. a spritz. She was like covered in this like oh my God. thick green like all, all over her. Which up until that point, I was like, getting sprayed by a skunk is probably my worst nightmare. Yeah. But uh, no, this was worse. <laughs> yeah. My you dog. No, it was an option. My dog getting covered in like oh all of the insides from a skunk. And yeah, I kind of just like was screaming and kind of shoving my foot in her face, trying to get her to drop it. She eventually dropped it, ran home, and like my apartment smelled for like a week or two, probably. Oh my God. It was bad. So yeah, that was the closest to her. I don't think she's ever killed an animal carcasses she's are found some dead ones i guess yeah which is unfortunate oh, that is yeah. yeah that's you know what like you said getting sprayed by a skunk is like my worst nightmare as a dog owner and now i do have that extra level yeah. so thank you for letting me know i feel like it like will probably never happen but and she actually has been sprayed by a skunk since and it was like it almost like wasn't that yeah. big of a deal you're like oh whatever <laughs> i can deal with this in comparison <laughs> Just a little eau de perfume? Yeah, That's just fine. a little spritz. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> what are they like together? Like, what is your, like, little pack dynamic? They're very, they're both very, like, independent. They're both very, like, calm and chill dogs. They definitely are, like, couch potatoes. Like, they kind of just like to, like, sleep all day. So, like, neither of them are, like, super playful or energetic. If they are, again, they're kind of, like, on their own, doing their own thing. They just kind of coexist. On walks, I feel like 
sometimes like Beatrix is maybe trying to like protect Queso a bit. Like Queso's definitely the one who's like looking at other dogs, being a little bit defensive, and then her big sister kind of steps in to have her say. And but yeah, they kind of just coexist, do their own thing. Queso's the one that's like more like glued to me, mm-hmm. and Beatrix likes to do her own thing. Generally, my spare bedroom's occupied right now, but in the past, like that would be like where Beatrix would go. She'd be like, I'd have a whole bed to myself, oh, I see. and just like she'd have her own room essentially. So she liked to have her own her own time alone, I guess, when, when Queso and I are, like, hanging out, so. Love to hear about your doggies. And as you already mentioned, fostering is a frequent thing that Queso <laughs> and B definitely have to get on board. She's got to get not her own bed in her own room and share some space. So I'd love to hear more about your fostering experience. I know a lot of listeners here, like, might be rescue dog moms because they love they have adoptive dogs, but I know a lot of people really hesitate with fostering so hopefully we can convince some more people to join our cult yes <laughs> yes I like can't stop talking about fostering like I I convince so many people to like foster all the time and like even since like I started a new job a few months ago two of my coworkers have adopted animals since I started there so like I may or may not have had an influence on that yeah but give some good points as to why fostering is just the best and rescuing animals is the best yeah so as I mentioned queso was my first foster that was in 2016 I fostered her for a few months she was like very shut down and like again didn't really have much exposure to other dogs to like kind of help her come out of her shell or anything like that and I just became like her person we developed this bond I ended up adopting her and then I take a break from fostering because I was like am I just going to adopt every dog is that what's gonna happen yeah so took a break for a couple years um, and then my cat passed away and it was like around that time where I kind of wanted to just like open up my home to another animal so started fostering again yeah then I kind of never stopped I've fostered 21 dogs and three kittens. I tried to take a break when I adopted Beatrix. I actually didn't foster Beatrix. That was like a straight adoption. And I remember going through that process of adopting a second dog. I was like, if I'm gonna go through with this, that means I gotta stop fostering. Like, is this the right decision to make? And it just made sense. And six weeks later, I had another foster dog (laughs) because I'm literally addicted. Like I can't stop. And uh, it is a real addiction. Like I haven't fostered for a hot minute and I think about it like once a week. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of at the point where I'm used to having three dogs around. Yeah. I enjoy it. It's exciting. Like just having somebody new in the house. And I think it's really good for my dogs too, in a lot of ways for them to kind of be just socializing with different types of dogs all the time. It's a great benefit for the foster dogs as well to have yeah. other dogs to kind of look up to and to just be around. And it's fun. Yeah. And it's <laughs> fun. Like... Especially, yeah, like, neither of my dogs are super cuddly. We are kind of talking about this earlier. Like, it's so nice to have, like, a yep. little, little cuddly guy. I know. Girl. Definitely my side, too. I'm always just, like, looking for the cuddle bug because mm-hmm. Boss is, like, I give him too little credit. He's, like, happy to, like, be beside me and cuddle in bed and stuff. But I just want a dog who's, like, obsessed with me. Mm-hmm. And just, like, in your lap at all times and just, yeah. like, wanting to, like, love you. Yeah. yeah so totally. fostering definitely fulfills that. And also, you know, follow all these people people on Instagram are fostering all the time and I just look at their stories and I'm like oh that 
looks so good. Yeah. I need it. I it's need a shot so of fun. some yeah. foster dogs. It's so addictive. Yeah. yeah. Even though I love cuddly dogs, I think my favorite kind of dog to foster is dogs like Greta, the dog that I have right now. She reminds me a lot of Queso, like just being like just very shut down, never really like, you know, hasn't really had a ton of experience with humans or with other domesticated dogs. She's just afraid of everything. She's lacking confidence. But for me, like that's almost like the most rewarding foster experience. You know, like she spent her first like 24 hours like growling at me and now she lets me pet her belly like yeah. and it's only been not even two weeks now yeah you see so much progress with a dog like that too I think like very quickly and I think that's why like sometimes you know there's a lot of things that you work on with a dog where you don't really see immediate results but with a dog like this who's like so shut down like every little thing you kind of like notice like a change like Greta spends most of her day like in her crate because she wants her own space and she wants to do her own thing but like she's definitely like every day I feel like she's spending more time like around me and the other dogs we come back from the walk she doesn't go back to her crate right away she kind of just like hangs out with us for a little bit and like just seeing all like the progress that she's made like every day like she came to the door the other day and like greeted me and like licked my hand oh my God. with a tail wagging yeah. her backstory she was born in the desert outside of Dubai and and she had puppies in the desert and only about I think four months ago or so a shelter there was able to actually capture her and she lived in a boarding facility for a few months all of her puppies were adopted out locally in Dubai but nobody wanted her because I mean she's <laughs> she's pretty shut down yeah um, not not quite the ideal dog for most people so she was sent to Canada and yeah she's she's come a long way in the small time that I've had her um, just even like she wouldn't go on walks for like the first yeah. few days and now you know especially my dogs again have like really helped her come out of her shell and like she feels very confident walking with them it's just so great to see like her learning to just be comfortable and just enjoy life and just have fun and not worry and be afraid of everything I think like for me all always those moments that I have where I'm like oh my god this is crack is like when the dog starts playing with toys for the first time like they don't even know what a toy is they don't know how to dog basically and then all of a sudden you'll just look over and you'll be like oh my god they're playing and if you look too hard they'll stop so you gotta like side eye it and it is the sweetest thing that's like literally Greta right now she yeah. just started playing with a toy I think it was yesterday but she was on the couch today with the toy and I walked into the room and she just like stopped yeah. she's like don't look at me <laughs> Like, I can hear her sometimes. I'll be like, in the kitchen. And I'm like, I hear you, like, rustling around in there. You're, like, doing something. You're yeah. not just, like, cowering in the corner. You're doing something. But she, yeah, she doesn't want to And then she's me, like, like, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm still shy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go back to my crate now. Yeah. I don't want this attention. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Funny, because I feel like I've, fo- I've only fostered the, like, overstimulated dogs mm. who, like, need to learn how to, like, just chill. Chill. And it's been definitely a very different experience. But the good thing with that is that in the house, they're always perfect right away. Yeah. But it's just usually the walking outside that's, intense. you know, intense. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk a little bit about some fun experiences. But I thought we could maybe start off with like some reflections on like how we started. So when you way back in the day decided to foster, like what was your thought process around even starting to do that? Were you planning to adopt? Were you just thinking about fostering? And how did you research like 
where to do it. I had never had a dog growing up. My family, we never had dogs. We did have a cat. And at the time too, I had a cat when I first started fostering. So I just like really didn't know a ton about dogs or how it would fit into my lifestyle. The fostering just seemed to make the most sense just to try it out, see how can I actually do it? I guess I like really doubted whether or not I could even like handle it, I guess. Fostering just seemed like the easy sort of no commitment or like like a small amount of commitment, I guess, to yeah, see what we like to like have a dog and see if it's something I could make work. In terms of like choosing a rescue, I went with a rescue that I'd already been following them on social media. Two of my friends had adopted from them before and one of my friends had been doing a lot of volunteer work with them. Um, like she's doing a lot of like the transports from like the airport. She'd like help bring the dogs into Toronto and she'd do like home visits and stuff. Yeah, I kind of heard about the rescue kind of just through friends that had adopted and and uh, I applied and I think it took probably a month or two before they actually like matched me to a dog. They were just like, hey, there's a dog coming from Mexico. Do you want this dog? I don't even think they, I don't think they even sent me a photo of her before she came. <laughs> you were so like, I had sure. no idea what was coming. <laughs> was she like described to be good with cats or was that kind of like a risk that you were taking I don't remember if they actually told me they'd be good if she'd be good with cats they knew that I had a cat so I think I was kind of just like trusting in them that they were sort of matching me to the right dog and yeah I was definitely like hesitant about that too but yeah. like queso has been like chill was chill with cats from like day one like, yeah if anything I feel like she's probably maybe been a little bit like spooked <laughs> by the cat my favorite thing to hear is dogs who are scared of cats like yeah. there's so many in rescue they just yeah. like show up at a cat's house and they're just like oh my god you are the this is your territory and I gotta chill over here <laughs> totally yeah queso was good from day one um which yeah again like if she wasn't then it probably wouldn't have worked out you know um so that's another reason I guess why I wanted to foster first to kind of yeah test that because my cat was also like pretty like afraid of everything so I didn't know how she'd do with a dog but I just feel like Kesa was like the perfect dog for yeah. her and like they just kind of coexisted did their own thing like yeah they just did their own thing the whole time that's and, perfect uh, yeah it's kind of what you want I think mm. I mean I always kind of wanted like you know that like perfect like cat dog like loving relationship oh, yeah. where they're like cuddling on the couch the stuff and, like, you see on YouTube for yeah, sure it's like not real life but, I know. Uh, I like day. conceptually <laughs> want a cat, and I imagine that. I'm like, boss won't even cuddle with me. There's no way he's <laughs> cuddling with a cat. Yeah, that's how I feel about, like, Queso. Like, she generally doesn't cuddle with me. Like, sometimes she likes to just be, like, close to me. Like, yeah. when we, like, sleep in the bed at night, she wants to be, like, lying up against my leg or something like that. But, like, never really cuddling. So, like, I don't yeah. think she'd want, like, a cat in her space. Or, like, yeah. even with the foster dogs, even the cuddly ones. Like, she doesn't want to cuddle with anybody. And, like, <laughs> even Beatrix, not really that cuddly, I guess. Yeah. I just but don't it have probably works dogs. best for the cats, for sure. Yeah. Do you remember your first foster after Queso? Mm, yeah, that was a tough one for me because until that point, Queso was the only dog that I'd really known. I had her for three years. And yeah, I had very limited experience with other dogs. Got a dog from Texas. Her name was Hallie. She was like a like a shepherd or a hound mix, maybe mix of some kind. But she had separation anxiety, which I'd never dealt with before. Also, when I was fostering Queso, I was never really educated on crate training, so I'd never done that before. There was like a lot of new stuff with this dog that I was not really prepared for. So it was not a very great experience. I had her for a few weeks and got complaints from my neighbors to the point oh, where no. she had to go to a new foster home 
and that's the only time I've ever had a dog that was moved to another foster home. And I literally was like, this rescue is never going to give me a dog again. Like, I failed this dog. Like, but it worked out really well because the foster that ended up taking her adopted her. Oh, that is a very happy story. She went to her forever home anyways. And yeah, and like, luckily they lived in like a house that didn't have shared walls. Because yeah, I think she had to work through that for like a while. So, and they had another dog and the two dogs like hit it off whereas like queso was like oh great there's another dog (laughs) didn't care (laughs) so yeah it was kind of like not the most positive like fostering experience but yeah i guess i learned a lot from it and it really worked out well for the dog in the end luckily because yeah it was definitely hard to say goodbye to a foster dog and they weren't even going to their forever home yeah I i mean they did in the end but yes You know what I mean? But definitely something to, like, point out that, like, if you need a dog moved and you're fostering, like, obviously it's, like, the last resort hopefully Mm -hmm. people are taking, but sometimes it's for the best. Sometimes your home is not the right environment, and also a dog with separation anxiety probably shouldn't be in a place with shared walls. It is just way harder that way. Totally. Boss was moved from his, like, foster right before we adopted him because he was howling at noises in the hallway. And we were just like, oh, we're good. We live above a restaurant. The restaurant's closed because it's COVID. Mm-hmm. Now we share walls again. <laughs> I'm just like, please shut up. Now I know yeah. the feeling everyone else has had. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Beatrix definitely, yeah, she's the kind of person who, <laughs> the kind of dog. <laughs> I do that all the time. Like, so my son, boss. My child. <laughs> Yeah, she barks when she hears noises in the hallways. Luckily, we live in, like, a very old building, and I'm, like, in a corner unit, so I don't share that many walls. And there's not, like, a ton of people walking past our door, but, like, she definitely barks at the guy across the hall. He does not like us, so (laughs) it's not not the funnest. And I will say, like, you know, I think it's really important for fosters to stay committed to their dogs, but it's also important to recognize when it's not the best environment for the dog. You know, through volunteer work where I've had to screen fosters and stuff, too, and I ask them, like, you know, for what, what, what reason would you return the dog or ask us? to find another foster home and some of them say like I would never do that I'm like you haven't like really thought this through though because what if you live in an apartment building full of dogs and you have a dog reactive foster do you really think that's the best place for them to be like how are they ever going to work through that like how are they even going to like get out of your building like yeah you know like it's just there's certain scenarios where it's not the best environment for the dog or yeah and if they have children or cats or other dogs or something and it's just like the relationship's not working out like those are the scenarios where yeah you you don't have the perfect environment for this dog and you have to think about what's best for the dog and not just yeah and sometimes too obviously if you have a resident dog or resident cat you want to put them first obviously too if the foster dogs really aren't getting along to the point where there's like tension or fighting that's escalating it's definitely best for everyone just to have a low stress environment totally. like a foster's not going to blossom in a home where everyone's everybody out. yeah 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 that's not fun it's not fun for anybody let's think about some of your foster experiences what was your best foster experience i would say my favorite dog that i ever fostered was patty oh my god um, i just i mean never met patty but the pictures i i died to be honest, when I saw pictures of this dog, I'm not going to lie, I feel like I have like a 
I, I judge hypoallergenic dogs mm. and it's more about when I think about the type of people who don't want a dog who sheds and they only want a specific type of dog. So when I see a dog like that, that's what I think of. And that's what I thought of when I saw Patty because she's this little like scruffy terrier. And I just sort of assumed that she'd have like, you know, bougie personality or something. <laughs> I don't know what I was expecting, but I was like not that excited when I saw the photo of this dog. But yeah, she came from Turkey and she was the sweetest dog. And I mean, I guess in the end yeah like this was the easiest dog I ever had and I think that's probably why like she just sort of like just seamlessly kind of just became part of the pack she was very easy to train she picked up on things just like really quickly she was definitely more cuddly of all the foster dogs I've had she's one of the only ones that ever played with Beatrix that like actually got Beatrix to play with her yeah she was the sweetest dog and I remember specifically telling the rescue I was like I think she needs to go to a senior like she would do so well with a senior there's a lot of seniors out there that just need to have animal companions and in the rescue world not every dog is good for that when you think about how much training's involved and things like that um and I just felt like she was just like the perfect fit for a senior so they found her one and she's living her best life right now that's so nice and yeah I miss her but she's she's in a great place Yeah. Your story reminds me of my favorite foster ever, who is Rosie, who is now Lily. She is my slight regret. I didn't foster fail, but similarly, she's so happy in her new home. Rosie was also just like seamlessly, was happy with everyone. It took like 30 minutes introduction with a person and she'd be like sitting on their lap and like- Love that. Yeah. She was obsessed with my brother, which was super cute. Every time he came over, she would just like lie on her back on his lap and it was so sweet. He also is like, I should have adopted her. And yeah, it is like hard to find dogs that just like seamlessly just like our dogs and she Mm -hmm. was one of them but she's super happy and has a big dog family now. So she's definitely having a great time. Who is your silliest foster? Midnight. She was from the Bahamas. So one of my favorite things about her was that she used to like to hold my hand where she'd (laughs) stand on her hind legs and want to like just put her paws in my hand. Like sometimes I would like actually get her to like walk down the hallway with me. Oh my God. Um, Yeah, she was just very sweet. She was very cuddly, just like really liked people. Yeah, just like a happy dog, but just like little things like that. She was very playful and uh, that was like her like really cute little quirk that sort of made her stand out. That's adorable. Who would you like kind of put up there as like, the hardest fosters you've had or the most challenging I guess Reggie probably Reggie was a border collie mix that I fostered uh he came from First Nations community up north either northern Ontario or Manitoba I think Manitoba Reggie had been abused previously someone had put a BB gun up his rectum and shot it off so he had a lot of damage back there he also had been dragged by his tail to the point where it had to get amputated um, and he had to do a lot of laser therapy to work on just getting his spine back to where it should be and making sure he didn't wasn't feeling any pain so with him yeah he was a pretty big like medical case I guess on top of that he was also a high energy border collie oh my um, god right and I'm used to like pretty chill calm dogs both my dogs are like they have like very flexible energy levels like I say they're like low to medium like they're cool with being couch potatoes all day like if it's 
like there's a winter storm outside we don't need to go anywhere but like they're also cool to go on like an hour or two hour long walk like if that's what we're doing that day like they're for it yeah reggie didn't really have proper control of his bowels so he wore diapers a lot so it was just trying to like manage all of that stuff but honestly like in a way that one it might have been like the easier side of it i think it was the fact of dealing with such like a high energy dog who like also had separation anxiety he was pretty good in his crate overnight but yeah he didn't really like being left alone um and again he just needed like that stimulation because he just yeah. needed to be entertained at all times loved loved playing but he was just like the sweetest dog like considering knowing like what happened to him yeah. before like the um, challenges weren't like behavioral challenges even no like he loved people so much and other dogs he was great with like everybody yeah um, which was just like so great to see that like a dog would still have trust in people after everything he went through so yeah he was challenging like sort of on the the medical side of things and just being like high energy guy ready to party and uh, I was actually telling someone about this earlier today like I think it was like my first or second day that I had him which I didn't really know how bad his bowels were and uh, we were just playing like fetch down the hallway and oh. just like in my apartment yeah. and um, he like sprayed poop all over the walls oh, no. <laughs> wasn't really expecting that to happen yeah. I was like cool so diapers all the time then great got too um, excited yeah <laughs> he ended up being on like a raw diet like he wasn't able to like eat anything other than yeah. his like raw food but he was also like counter surfer would always try and get into things and we we're doing groceries once oh we got God. into like i left them on like just on my kitchen table but i like went to the bathroom like not thinking because it's like my dogs wouldn't do this but reggie got up there ate like three and a half hot dog buns and then we had to go back to diapers for like <laughs> a couple days <laughs> after that Oh my god, I've had but. so many surprise counter surfs. And they're usually like three, four weeks in. Or like, you know, you're just kind of like... weren't expecting it at all. Yeah, you're like, I understand this dog now. And you're mm -hmm. like, no, there you go, surprising me. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like with every foster, you kind of have to end up like doggy-proofing your house in a yes. different way. There's always something that you're not expecting. Because again, you're sort of used to like your dogs. And like, what will your dogs get into? And like, how are your dogs when you like leave them unsupervised and stuff like that? And then, yeah, you just get surprised by like who wants to get into the garbage. And who's trying to jump up on the counter. And like who's peeing on the couch like yeah. whatever <laughs> like even with again rosie who i said was so easy i never actually saw her do this but once she left we like look under certain furniture and we just saw all these bite marks oh my God. that she just would like chew on furniture when we weren't around and so yeah super sneaky one thing that you've been doing recently and obviously with queso you said you had a cat is fostering kittens as well with your resident dogs would love to hear how that's been going for you yeah so when i adopted beatrix I wasn't really thinking super, super long-term about whether or not I'd get a cat again. As I mentioned earlier, she definitely has prey drive. I should maybe also mention, I didn't mention this earlier, about when I did adopt Beatrix, I adopted her as a palliative care dog. Um, I was told I would only have six months to three years with her. Luckily, that's not the case any longer. Um, she was diagnosed with terminal liver disease, but after about a year, I took her to a new vet who basically checked her liver levels and everything kind of was back to normal because the liver can sort of repair itself, but uh, her original diagnosis was that it was so bad that it wouldn't. So Beatrix is gonna be with me for the long run, um, which is really great. Uh, 
Uh, but I think that's probably going to impact whether or not I ever have a cat again. So I wanted two foster kittens to see like how Beatrix would do with them. I already knew obviously Kesa would be good with them. I was open to fostering like adult cats as well, but I figured kittens yeah. would actually probably be like better. They're sort of at that younger age where they can kind of sort of just adjust to anything. Comfortable with, you know, a dog barking in their face perhaps, where an older cat who's just not used to that might have a harder time. Luckily, I do have a two bedroom apartment, so I kind of turned a spare bedroom into what I calling the cat palace. So I put a baby gate up, they kind of had their own space, kept the door shut for like days, I think. I knew that Beatrix would get excited around them and she definitely did. I fostered the kittens for, well, there's three of them. I still have one, had them for almost three months. I didn't realize you still had one, one of the kittens. Left. Oh yeah. my gosh. She has been adopted. They're just dealing with the contract and stuff. So I think she's right. getting picked up this week. But yeah, so Beatrix has been sharing her space with cats for like almost three months at this point. Wow. So she's made really good progress, but I just don't think it's ever going to work out long term for her to yeah. have a cat around. Of the three kittens, two of them were like very, they were all afraid of her at first, but two of them came around. They were definitely the more sort of adventurous ones. They learned how to jump over the baby gate. So when I'd started leaving the, the door open they'd come out and explore more but Beatrix would chase them into a corner and then just bark at them like luckily, <laughs> she wouldn't make the extra move but she just was like I will at least get this out of it <laughs> yeah she would just get excited to have them around and want to bark at them actually her first interaction with them I remember holding one and bringing it up to her so she could smell the kitten and her first instinct was to lick the kitten she was obsessed with licking the kittens and I was like is this a maternal thing or are you trying to like taste your dinner right now like I didn't know <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. She was pretty rough about it too, but I think it's because she's like a larger dog yeah. and the kittens were like the Tiny. size of her tongue. Like, I don't even know. Like, she's she's a big girl. So it's kind of intense the way that she was licking them. But I was like, I, I, I never really knew to this day really what that was. But she definitely got better with the two that were more confident that actually would sort of come out. I think they also, it was really good learning experience for the kittens, I think, yeah. to sort of be around that. I think they realized, oh, if we like run around too much, she's going to get excited. So they would also kind of like chill out a bit around her. Like, I feel oh. like they would like walk slower or yeah. they would just like lie down and like look at her or like just like jump up and sit in the window like I feel like they learned how to like be calm around her yeah it's like they knew if they got excited she would get excited I think just from like exposure like they kind of figured that out the third one the one that I still have to this day is like still afraid of her and I think that also gets Beatrix even more excited mm. because this cat's not comfortable around her and she can like smell her fear yeah. I feel like yeah. so you know she just starts like whining like as soon as she like sees the cat and definitely been a work in progress but it's... I mean three months is like definitely a long commitment yeah yeah. For, you know, for like a situation that you like are really learning every day. <clears throat> it's not the kittens. It's just Beatrix barking a lot. That yeah. Hasn't, it's gotten better, but it's just like, it's, I can't see it ever going away. But, you know, we took things slow and yeah, I think that both her and the cats sort of learned to coexist to a certain degree. She made like, there's times where the kittens would literally walk past her and she'd just be lying down. And I was like, day one, she was like so screaming just if she could see them yeah like, on the other side of the baby gate you know so she made progress but um yeah I don't think she wants to have a feline sibling yeah soon which is unfortunate Retta who I'm also fostering right now so that was her sort of first exposure to a kitten as yeah. well she's afraid of them <laughs> like yeah 
she barks and growls at them but like won't go near them i tried to bring i tried to bring the kitten over for her to smell she did not want to smell the kitten yeah like, she did not want to go anywhere near it so that was interesting she's also maybe those still... desert cats are just crazy maybe maybe like she got beat up by a cat hard yeah. to say i think you know as she comes out of her shell like maybe that would change but uh right now I think she's just terrified of a baby kitten. Yeah. Anybody who knows me right now knows I'm, like, pretty much obsessed with getting another animal in my house. They're probably all annoyed with just, like, should I just apply for this dog and see what happens? But part of that has also been kitten life. Mm -hmm. I've been obsessively looking at kittens and wondering. Boss was used to not have a prey drive. He sometimes cared about squirrels. Pigeons are a big one. But cats, he would never react to, and he was pretty neutral about them. Then I went over to my friend's house with him. She has two cats. And we were in her living room. I was like, oh, like, your cats are upstairs. She's like, yep, they're upstairs. He still has his leash on, but I let him go. And he's going crazy smelling everything. And I'm like, okay. He's probably smelling the kittens or whatever. And then he starts burying under the couch. And I'm like, uh-oh. And I go, Mandy, are you sure? Are you sure your cats are upstairs? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden, her cat, Leah, just like jumps out, jumps on her back, and Boss is going crazy trying to catch her. And that was my first time ever even witnessing any prey drive on him. So luckily he had his leash on, so I was able to grab him. Leah jumped up on her head, so it was very, she was fine, but super freaked out. And it was so bad because both Mandy and I were also like, you know, she wanted to train her cats to be good with dogs. I wanted to train boss to be good with cats. And we made, like, we were planning on doing it well. And then it happened in the worst way ever. And now he charges at cats on the street. It sucks. I know. Well, you know, you could always try fostering and having a cat in your household and just take it day by day, really slow. Yeah. Just kind of see what happens. Just have a cat palace of my own that boss can't go into. 100%. And, like, that's the thing, too, actually. Beatrix, like, anytime she could get into that room, um, she would go after their litter. Oh. She's a big fan of cat poop, apparently. So Mm. they always had to be kind of, like, have their separate room and have their box somewhere else and and all that. Maybe it's time for you to have a cat palace. Maybe. Before we get into some tips and tricks, which I definitely want to have for people listening, I wanted to hear a little bit about your work in rescue. So, obviously, fostering is a big part. But I know apart from that, you do a lot of other stuff. Um, What drives you to like keeping involved in this community and what kind of roles do you like doing? Yeah, so I've been uh, volunteering in dog rescue since January 2019, I think. Fostered before that, but that's when I started doing anything other than fostering. I helped out on an adoptions team for One Rescue, just helping more like with admin stuff, like doing contracts and things like that. I was the events manager for a rescue for a while, just organizing fundraising events and adoption events and all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, so I've volunteered with three different rescues, I guess. One of the rescues I'm currently still volunteering with, um, I help screen new foster applicants and I also help with the onboarding process, just going over the foster manual with them, making sure they know what they're getting themselves into, and also, again, helping out a little bit on the event side. Not that there's been too much during COVID, but that's... We had a successful event just last weekend, so... We did. We did. Yeah. This is true. (laughs) But yeah, that was probably one of the f- that was, it the was first literally in person yeah. adoption event I think since 2019 I think like I'd never had I'd never been to a live event in any rescue thing which is crazy, crazy. pants <laughs> so crazy yeah 
And then another rescue that I volunteer with, I help write the bios for all of their cats and dogs. I've also gotten involved a bit on the intake side of things, which uh, that's kind of like new and something I've just sort of enjoyed, I think. Uh, I feel like it's kind of like as you get deeper and deeper into rescue, it is kind of like that thing you strive for. Because obviously it's so exciting to like really be involved in saving dogs. Mm-hmm. But it's also a lot of logistics and boring stuff and budgets, which we... Yeah, and yeah. also sometimes saying no. That's the yeah. thing that sucks about the intake side of things yeah. is you can't say yes to every dog or cat that you want to rescue. And uh, that's the most frustrating part, I think, yeah. for me. Just, like, trying to make things work and not having the money or the resources, not having the right foster or not being able to provide them with the right vetting care that we need or just... Yeah. Not even having the space, you know, like there's sure. a lot of rescues I think are kind of overrun right now because adoptions have slowed down with everybody traveling. It's really yeah. tough. Everything needs to like be working together in order mm-hmm. for these like dogs to even come in the first place or cats, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So there's it's like tough. a lot of sort of like moving parts and yeah, making sure that you have a vet who's able to see them, making sure you have the right foster home. And again, making sure financially you're stable. You can't just say yes to every animal and then have no money take care of them yep. so and no fosters or yeah, yeah. or not having tough. the right fosters and putting them in like foster homes that can't like handle them like you don't want to be in a situation like that so it's yeah. really important to make sure that you're like prepared ahead of time before you intake an animal so for sure there's a lot of logistics <clears throat> but definitely volunteering is something that's brought me a lot of joy in the last year and a half made me feel really connected and meet so many dogs what keeps you going or what keeps you like involved I think it's just become a big part of my life right now that I can't even imagine my life without it yeah just thinking about like just being a part of the community and like all the friends that I've made through dog rescue life and just the excitement of like seeing the new dogs that are being rescued and watch, watching the dogs be adopted. Like, especially like that feeling when there's been a dog like within the rescue, they've been in foster care for like six months or whatever. And you're just yeah. like waiting for them to find that right home. Like just like getting to like celebrate with a group of people that we've, we've all been watching this dog's journey. And then finally they found their forever home. Like just little things like that. Just yeah. like really, you know, keep me going. Um, I know as a foster coordinator, that is like why I love sticking to the foster side because that the most rewarding feeling, yeah, especially like a really challenging, challenging dog go play get placed with an amazing foster who helps them grow Mm -hmm. you see progress and all of a sudden they go from like to be quite frank like an unadoptable crazy dog Mm -hmm. that's biting everything and just unhappy and stressed to just like being able to just be a dog and like enjoy their space and like that progress is insane to see totally part of your involvement has also been your business tell me a little bit about hot diggity yeah, so I started a little side project during the pandemic. I was unemployed for a good chunk of the pandemic, so had a lot of free time not only to volunteer, but also to try out running my own little business. So started a small apparel company called Hot Diggity. It's inspired by two of my favorite things, rescue dogs and hot dogs. It's just like fun apparel and accessories for people that like rescue dogs and hot dogs. 10% of all sales are donated to different rescues. Every quarter I choose a new rescue so starting as of uh, October 1st 10% of sales will be going to Second Chance Animal Sanctuary which not only do they rescue dogs they also have cows and pigs and goats and I think that's it I am not sure I'm sure by time this comes out there'll be like like a mule or like a donkey 
Who knows? Yeah. Geese, ducks, hard to say. Exactly. Who knows where this is going. And the rescue's run by Angela, who's also been on our podcast before. Angela the dog lady. Oh, yes. So she's no longer just a dog lady. She's just the animal lady now. Animal lady. Yeah. (laughs) She's a cow mom now. And a pig mom. And a goat mom. I am obsessed with meeting the goats. Yeah. Like every video I see of those goats, I'm just like, I need to. (laughs) I really want to meet the, the cows. Like potato. Potato, potato. I know. Potato. <laughs> the little veal calf. Potato. Yeah, He's potatoes my favorite. So cute. Anyway, yeah, 10% of my sales will be going to them, which I'm really excited about. My Instagram, it's at hot diggity apparel and the website it's shophotdiggity.com the designs are inspired by specific dogs as well you can find apparel that's based off my own dogs i wanted to maybe just talk more big picture about fostering and what you would say to someone what do you think is like the biggest misconception about fostering Everyone thinks it's too hard because you don't want to give the dog up. As somebody who did adopt my first foster, I get that. And yeah, for me personally, I think, well, really, like, what you need to do is foster a dog, adopt that dog, foster a second dog. That's, like, the ideal situation is to have your own dog, but then also foster. Because when they leave, it's never like you have an empty household. I will say, I've always been, like, I think it's easier, too. Totally, because I get that. It would be very hard, I think, to go from having that presence in your home to just having mm-hmm. no presence, just being in a quiet home without any. Although home. I will say, every rescue is currently looking for fosters who don't have animals. So, so if you true. don't have an animal, it will be hard, but it's really worth it. Totally worth it. And that's true, too. Like, there's a lot of rescues. There's a lot of specific dogs that can't be with other dogs. Yeah. And they need a place to go to. And I think it's really great for people that like to travel a lot or travel on business and things like that who just can't commit to 15 years of having yeah. a dog. Or if um, you live alone and, like, obviously that can be a really big commitment. It's definitely, like, a way to just have, like, that short-term attention. I also feel like, okay, this is something I always love to emphasize. I think fostering makes you, like, a better person. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like. Um, yeah. I mean, for me especially, patience is yeah. the thing that I learned from fostering. And, yeah, I was just chatting with someone today about how, like, fostering really tests you as a person. I feel like you learn so much from it. Patience, though, is the big thing. Like, you know, it's easy to get, like, upset around every, you know, foster dog pees on the floor like oh that sucks but like kind of just learn to just you know work through that um and not get upset also like almost yeah like managing like your anger 100%. and your feelings and things like that um, hey it's really helpful in a corporate structure you know you just gotta bottle up those feelings and put a smile on for the dog <laughs> just like work <laughs> But I think it's just like, you know, you learn to just not be upset about it, I yeah, guess. Yeah, for it's sure. Like, you know what? It's, and actually, again, it's like a learning thing. Like, not going to lie, Greta peed on my couch today. And I was like, you know what? I probably should have taken her out. It's not her. It's me. I should have thought ahead. And I know she's not fully potty trained. And I like forced her to not be in her crate today. I was like, I'm closing the crate door. You have to socialize today. Whereas if she, I think she, if she sat in her crate all day, we would have gone on our walk. She would have done her business outside. But I was like, no, you're going to come hang out. We're going to hang out in here. And then I, that's like where I start reflecting on, oh, yeah. you know, me and my actions. And I've literally had the exact same experience so many times. You like Every time mad at the dog. No. Like, oh, With potty training, it is always your fault. And I know that's terrible. But literally every single time I'm like, I think she can 
do another half an hour. I oh, think yeah. I can watch another episode. Yep. Every time. Yeah. That's when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> you just like don't push it. Or like, yeah, and again, if you do, like that's the thing too, is like learning that when something goes wrong, it's actually not the dog's fault. Like it's never the dog's fault. And I think it's so it helps you as a person learn how to take care of this dog and what actually you need to be doing to help support this dog and literally never the dog's fault. It's just <laughs> It's just you as a foster learning and trying to figure out yeah. like what works for this dog and what does this dog need and being able to work around that. So Yeah. And every dog is different. Like, yes, there's basic rules. There's like every foster helps you with the next one. But there's always some surprise element. Like 100%. you're never gonna be like, you know, I don't expect my experienced fosters to like nail everything the first day either. They have struggles. They're just like, oh yeah, this dog is pooping everywhere. This dog is biting everything. Like they have to learn too. So it's a continuous process. Yeah, I've fostered 21 dogs and I still learn. And that's the other exciting part about fostering is just being able to learn more about dogs along the way. And like, I actually feel like I'm a pretty experienced person with dogs that now that I like, you know, that was a skill that I never thought that I would yeah. ever develop. And it just kind of happened where I'm like, I feel like I'm like, I kind of get dogs now, you know? And like, it is funny like the way I engage with dogs is so different now like when I meet a new dog like just the way I interact with them it's like I don't know I, before I would have just been like all over them totally and now I'm like okay you know how to behave around yeah. the dog yeah. yeah you've worked on your behavior that's true <laughs> Again, never the dog's fault. What are your best, like, first day tips? Like, mm. the dog has just come from, like, a big flight or a two-day ride. What do you do? I generally just ignore the dog. I give them time to decompress. And not every dog needs that. I've had dogs as well that, in the car ride home, were, like, literally, like, bouncing off the walls and ready to party. But I would say, like, more often is the dog who's in shock and doesn't really know like where they are what's going on how did they get there what are they doing there and just giving them space making sure that they have you know a dog bed to go lie down on getting their crate set up so they can go in their crate if they want to and usually like if i can the first night or next day or whatever just like hand feeding them making sure they understand that like i'm a safe person who's here to provide them with food and love and whatever they need if you never want to push the dog you know like they're not going to want to be pet right away necessarily they just need their space they don't even want the attention right away like they are literally just trying to deal with you know imagine just losing your home or not even having a home and just finally settling somewhere after traveling how many hours you don't want to talk to anybody like you're just you're gonna need some time and I think just being prepared for accidents. One thing I've noticed that rescues do not supply to their fosters that I think is like kind of mandatory necessary to have is cleaning products because yeah. no matter what dog you have, I feel like every dog I've ever had has had at least one accident. Like even if they are potty trained, again, just like change of routine and just trying to figure out when am I going out? Is this person taking me out? Like they don't know. So. Yeah, and like, you know, dogs aren't gonna signal to you right away. That takes like trust and development and you're not going to be able to tell the telltale sign soon mm -hmm. even even queso to this day if she needs to go she sneaks off into another room she <laughs> won't even give me a sign she's like mom's gonna be mad so i'm just gonna go over here and do it Aww. like yeah i found it queso thank you <laughs> um this is a big question we get can someone with no dog experience foster? 100%. They are like the best people to foster. When I hear that and someone says they want to adopt, I'm like, you're not ready. Like, I don't think you understand what you're getting yourself into. And even if they, you know, they 
grew up with dogs like if it wasn't rescue dogs necessarily like I think it is very different and I think somebody looking to adopt might not have the right expectations going into that so I think the best candidates are people who've never had dogs before I was one of those people um kind of like learning from scratch and not having necessarily like bad habits or anything like that you know I've interviewed some people to foster who had previous experience and they talk about you know we get into training and they're talking about like spraying the dog with a bottle or something like that I'm yeah like, okay that's like old school training mentality kind of thing like there's other ways around that um and everyone has their different beliefs with training but like I think somebody's sort of starting from scratch and kind of like learning kind of the basics and again getting like that experience with like rescue dogs versus you know if they grew up with like a perfect purebred golden retriever happy family dog then again not really the right experience uh to adopt right away so yeah i think fostering you basically get free guidance and training along the way and you learn so much about dogs so much more than you know if somebody just adopts they're mostly on their own afterwards like they have to go and maybe do their own training and things like that you know i know some rescues do offer sort of some like alumni support but it's not the same that you would get from foster support foster support like you know i hear about all the time fosters calling their coordinators at two in the morning and like you're not gonna have that if you adopt a dog and like you probably like i should also preface you shouldn't be calling i literally was like katie please do not (laughs) encourage this behavior But, like, just even the foster manuals that you get with all of the information that you need to sort of work through all the regular training kind of stuff that you have to work through with pretty much any dog. Like, it's insane. Like, even when I think about what I know now, like, I look at actually Greta reminds me a lot of what Queso was like when I first got Queso. And if I knew what I knew now, like, back when I had Queso, I just feel like it would have been a very different experience. Mm -hmm. And I think she would have also come out of her shell a lot quicker. I would have understood things quicker. Like, I remember just even body language yeah she used to like lick her lips and her nose all the time when i'd pet her yeah and i was like what is this i don't know i'm just gonna mm-hmm. keep petting you she was uncomfortable and i had no idea because yeah i just body didn't language is a hundred percent things people like i learned through rescue too mm-hmm. like before i did rescue i was like rover sitting and so i kind of was like oh i'm ready because i had all these experiences with the people's dogs but someone's dog is not a rescue dog fresh off a plane or a van and that's a very different experience also if you foster your dog is gonna feel so easy once they're acclimatized because you will have gone through the ringer I think that's kind of nice, kind of as like a reflection. Yeah, yeah. After like, yeah, I think that's just the great thing about fostering too is just like how rewarding it is. Like after week one, everything you've accomplished. After week two, I love teaching dogs how to sit. Like, oh yeah, you know, I've done it with like over 20 dogs and it's just like a cool feeling and it's like so rewarding to be like, you've nailed it. You figured it out. Like your first command, you've got it. It's so exciting to do it like that one time with your own dog, but just getting to do that over and over again. I know it's such a like silly little thing, but like I love teaching a dog to sit. Greta's sit not there exciting. yet, and I'm Aww. very excited to get to that point because that's going to be like a big one for her, I think. Oh, so, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Another big question is about that moment when you are not foster failing and your dog is about to go into adoption. What's your advice on dealing with that? I usually like to take about 15 20 minutes before the adopters come and just have some like one-on-one time with the dog if they'll cuddle with me 
we'll cuddle, I'll have a good cry, just to sort of get that out and kind of deal with it before the adopters come. Because when the adopters come, you get to experience being a part of like a really magical moment where somebody is bringing home a new member of their family for the first time. If you've ever had a pet before and you remember those days, like I remember when I was a kid and my parents brought home a kitten, I think it was the happiest day of my life. And you know, the day when I finally like finalized Queso's adoption, signed those papers, she was finally mine. Or you know, the day that Beatrix came home, like I feel like I was in shock. I was like, is this real? Did I just do this? Like, is this, she's staying? It's just such a like really special moment. And I've gotten to experience that with like 20 dogs. Yeah. uh, And two cats. I think knowing too, I think someone said this recently about, you know, making sure that if you're going to adopt a dog, you're adopting a dog that actually like needs you. I think that's why it's been easy for me to let these fosters go, knowing that there's a better home out there for them. I think if any of these dogs truly needed me, they would have stayed with me. Yeah. And I kind of think that's why I ended up adopting Beatrix. Like, just with her health conditions, uh, she'd been in foster care for four months. And I kind of always had wanted a cattle dog, but not a crazy high-energy one. So she kind of <laughs> just seemed perfect in yeah. that way. You just kind of know if it's the right one. And knowing that when they go on to that family, it's the right family for them. It's a pretty intense, like, adoption process of, like, finding the right family. You just know that they're going on to a better place. But, like, my favorite part is thinking about the next dog that's going to come. I just love, (laughs) like, that's what I think about. I'm like, I'm opening up space in my home to rescue another dog. Like, I have been the part of, like, 21 dogs' journeys so far. And, like, that's going to continue. And it's just, like, that's probably the best part. Like, when the new dog comes. And I always think about that. Like, when one dog leaves, I'm making space for another dog. And that's also why I don't think I'll ever adopt a third dog. Because, you know, I can't imagine not fostering and not getting to experience that. Like, I think that's the the addictive part, I think, is, like, getting the new dog. And just, like, having this, like, new, exciting, like, that first... Yeah, even those first 24 hours where the dog is, like, usually shut down and probably is just, like, doesn't even want to interact. But just, like, knowing, like, every... Just thinking about, like, oh, what's going to happen tomorrow? And just thinking about, like, developing this new relationship with a new foster and just, like, helping them kind of acclimatize and get this dog out the door. Where's the next one? Yeah. Just waiting for them to... I also will say I love like being part like being part of that is really awesome like we've had the chance to like with our last foster Maya we drove her all the way up to like Embrook that was like a two hour drive we took her there and then we got to see her like run around her new house like that was so amazing so like things like that are great or just getting updates oh my god the updates oh I'm so my favorite adopters Yeah, like I would say the best adopters are the ones that make Instagram accounts for their dogs. Yeah, of course. Because I don't necessarily want to be harassing people all the time for updates, but it's amazing getting to uh, like see the dogs in the new homes. Um, I had a dog recently, Nutella. She was also very shut down yeah. of all the, the dogs that I fostered. She was also from Bahamas. Um, she went to a family who'd already adopted a pot cake from the same rescue. I and mean, he was like a younger pup when he was adopted. So I think he was a little bit more confident and kind of wasn't as shut down as she was because she was like an older dog. Anyways, yeah, they adopted a second dog and I like, think the two dogs like their personalities were very different but I think they just like understood kind of where she was coming from and like where she was at like once they sort of had this experience with the first dog yeah they were kind of ready for this it just seemed like the right home for her and they obviously created an Instagram account for the two dogs and it's amazing amazing. and I get to see her with her foster or with her adoptive brother all the time and uh she's really kind of come out of her shell and like 
her parents have been like so patient and good with her because I think it's even her I was worried about a meet and greet I'm like she's not gonna want anyone to like touch her (laughs) yeah you know and seeing her today and like how much confidence she has now is just like really great and love being able to like follow along if anyone listening adopts a dog, you should probably create an Instagram. Yes, please. People are going to want to follow your dog. Yeah, so. like we need updates. So. Yeah, always. It's time for the speed round. For our speed round, our dog mom will answer questions as quick as they can about their dog. Let's go. Shy or outgoing? Queso shy, Beatrix is outgoing. Game or treat? Treats like a hundred percent all the time. Queso doesn't really play with toys unless there's food involved. And Beatrix likes the odd toy, but like absolutely food is more important than like literally anything else. What are their favorite treats? Queso, I wanna say like I think more about human food that I give her. She yep. loves pizza crust, like literally. I got a pizza the other day, like walked in the door with a pizza box and she like knew. She Boss knew right away too. like what's in that box. But other than that, like, I don't know, they both really like beef liver. I get, like, freeze-dried chicken. I prefer to try to give them more, like, veggie treats, but they prefer the meat ones. <laughs> um, big fans of peanut butter, though. Like, Beatrix, I'd say Beatrix, probably peanut butter is her favorite. I will sometimes just give her, like, a spoonful of peanut butter. I used to do this all the time because she's on tons of medication. And so the point now, like, like the way that she looks at a spoon, like, it's just, like... <laughs> This, like, so there's like cute. you can see like the love in her yeah. eyes when she's there's like, like a spoon oh. she's like oh what's is that what do me? you got there <laughs> yeah do you do any like enrichment with them like yeah well again like the only toys the queso will play with is if there's like food involved yeah. so we have like a kong wobbler these other ones i don't even know what brand they are they're from PetSmart, but you like stuff treats in them and they figure out how to get them out they've got a puzzle they've got a snuffle mat i just bought them licky mats found them at winners i feel like oh, i buy like everything from yes. winners oh no no i've heard and, like, again, Beatrix loves peanut butter, so that's really great for that. Um, I think that's the only thing I've done on the licky mat so far. Yeah, especially with the cats around and stuff, too, trying to get Beatrix to just not focus on the cats. Yeah. The Kong Wobbler was, like, a big game changer That kind toy of thing. is like, amazing. Yeah, she, like, didn't care if the cats were in the room because, yeah. like, there was food inside that Wobbler. For that sure. She needed to get. So that really helped, too, to kind of, like, keep her sort of distracted but being able to just, like, be present with the kittens and stuff. Yeah, they both have slow feeders to eat out of. We don't really use traditional Kongs, though. That's the yeah, only one that... Yeah, same thing. I think I'm, like, over it. There's other stuff. And also, like, like cleaning them sucks. Yeah, like, no. it sucks so much. I know. Yeah. It's not fun. Boss can't even get all the way in, ever. Like, he gives up. So, yeah. the eyeballs also stop. Yeah, actually, same with Queso. She could never get all the way in, so... Collar, harness, or other? Martingale collars for both. Queso's slipped out of every single harness she's ever worn. And flat collar, so Martingale's the only thing. Beatrix, just, again, out of habit and what works for Queso. Um, Beatrix has a Martingale as well. I did walk Beatrix with a halty for a bit earlier months when she just was pulling like crazy and... Halty totally changed that. Um, I had to double leasher, one with the Halty, one with the Martingale, because otherwise, yeah, it was, <laughs> I needed to double leasher. But uh, we're back down to just the Martingale. Nice. Yeah, yeah I've used Halties before with Straight to Play. Usually provides them for me for the hard to pull fosters, and yeah, they are helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of felt like I was cheating on training. I was like, you know, I'm not really working on fixing the pulling, but the Halty did it for me. That's what yeah. tools are for. Mm-hmm. Dog bed or human bed? Queso, human bed, 100%. She'll sometimes sleep in a dog bed during the day. Um, Beatrix, if she can have her own bed, she'll take that. 
but she won't sleep in the bed with Queso and I, probably because it's Queso's territory a little bit. But uh, Beatrix likes lying on hardwood floors a lot. Yeah, I've had, I don't know, every big dog I've had, like, loves being on hardwood floors. Yeah, it's not good on her elbows, but uh, I think she just likes the, it's cooler down there. It's cooler, yeah. She gets overheated pretty easily, so. That's fair. We're talking about toys. So out of these three, what do they like? Squeakers, balls, or sticks? Beatrix, squeakers for sure. Like plushy squeakers. Those are like kind of the only ones that she's ever really shown much interest in. Queso's favorite toy. The only, the first toy I ever got her to show interest in. Bacon scented squeaky ball. So it's a ball and a squeaker. But I think for her it was the bacon scent. Otherwise she probably would not have cared. So that's her favorite. Uh, But she also likes chew toys too. She likes chewing on things these days. Yeah. But not sticks, though. Like, nylo bones and things like that. Yeah. People or dogs? For both of them, I would say people. Queso's not really that excited about people. But, again, if there's food, she's, like, a different dog. <laughs> Beatrix, same. She loves attention. Like, if we stop on the sidewalk or something, she wants someone to pet her. Or if anyone, like, puts out their hand to Queso, like, Beatrix gets in the way. She's like, oh, are you, are you looking for me? I'm over here. <laughs> I love that boss does that too. <laughs> summer or winter? Queso, 100% summer. She hates winter. She's also from Mexico. She just like loves the heat. She will like lie in the sun. I was gonna like, say, she's one of those dogs she... who just like lies in the sun and you're like, are you overheating? Are uh, you okay? Yeah, that happened to her once. She did overheat. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah it was very traumatic. Okay, so I should know your boundaries. I know. <laughs> Beatrix, hard to say. I mean, I want to say summer just because I feel like we spend more time outside because yeah. I'm a summer person. So I think she probably enjoys that we go on longer walks and things like that. She's not really phased by winter. I just don't really think she cares either way. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to say summer because I like summer better. So The energy's out for sure. Yeah. Walks or cuddles? I guess walks because, yeah, none of them are really cuddly. Beatrix is reactive on walks, though, sometimes, so I don't know how much she loves them. Oh, but... do they get excited when you, like, are about to take for a walk, or is it just, like, sure. Yeah, I know. They're, yeah, they're definitely excited. Yeah. They, like, come to the door all the time. Even Greta's starting to come to the door, which is exciting. Oh, that's um, great. All right, I'm going to say walks for both of them. Early walks or sleep in? I mean, neither of them wake up before I do. Yeah, they're not, like, screaming at 6 in the morning. They kind of get up when I get up, which is still, like, early-ish. We usually go up between, like, 8 or 9. Guard dog or greeter? Queso's a guard dog. Beatrix, she will bark when she hears things in the hallways, but if somebody walks in the apartment, she's like, oh, it's a person. Are you going to pet me? Yeah. So she will guard until she knows, like, what's behind the door, (laughs) I guess. That's boss, too, actually, although I still think he's more of a guard dog. Mm -hmm. Do they like big dogs or little dogs? Little dogs, I'd say. I still remember the first time I, like, shortly after I had Beatrix, I was dog-sitting a pug. And I think it was the first, like, male dog. Like, I had fostered one or two females before that. But I had a a male pug. Case Or Beatrix humped this dog's face. She was, like, so excited to have this little, little man around. Small male (laughs) dogs are her preference. And Queso, yeah, I think she just prefers dogs, like, her own size. Yeah, I feel like she's intimidated by, like, really large dogs. I usually don't foster dogs larger than 50 pounds. If your dogs were human, what voice would they have? Oh, my God. I I mean, Queso, like, definitely would have a Spanish accent. (laughs) Dora the Explorer. (laughs) I don't know. I actually don't even know what she sounds like. Maybe. She's, like, a high-pitched voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, 100%. Queso is Dora the Explorer. 
Love it. Yeah. Love it. I am Yeah, just the... kind of like a, a little, like, baby voice. Yeah. Yeah, but with a Spanish accent. <laughs> 100%. Perfect. Good one. Beatrix, yeah. Oh, I hate this question. It's so hard. <laughs> I just feel like Beatrix just, like, looks like she's very dumb. I think she's a very stubborn dog, I guess. I just, like, imagine her voice just being, like... Like, kind of like Eeyore, but less sad. Mm. Just like, kind of like dopey, like, hi, mom. Hi what mom. about I'm like. Gonna go inside. What about like Snuffleupagus? I don't remember what Snuffleupagus is. <laughs> Let's See, do that one. You're like, okay. Let's see. Snuffleupagus. We're just having, you know, a little uh, collab on this question. <laughs> I don't know why you're listening. I do not remember that voice. No. Yeah, not like <laughs> deep. I just feel like she'd have like a deeper deep voice, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, is dopey the right word? Like, she's very just like, hey, mom, I'm a really dumb dog. Like, I just feel like that's what she sounds like. And I don't know, like, you know what? That's good. She's going to say like a happier version of Eeyore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Posy like Eeyore. Like chill, but like, not, yeah, not depressed. More just like, yeah, just living my life. Yeah, she's like happy, but dumb. You know? Oh my god. Dan and I always say, like, we really just want a dumb dog. Next. Cause... No, you don't. Because, like, you can't teach them anything. They don't want to do anything. Because they just don't <laughs> get it. Boss gets everything, but he's just anxious AF. I think he thinks too much. That's like queso. Yeah. Like, so smart. Oh my god. Oh, one of my favorite things. I feel like I need to bring this up so you can put it in somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time I'm trying to, like, train a foster dog, like, new commands, like, teaching a dog to sit, Queso will be, like, in the background. Yes! Like, everything I say. Because Boss like, does the exact same thing. She's and like, there's look- treats. Oh, we're doing, we're yeah. doing our tricks. We're, it's okay. Yeah. And, like, it's the cutest thing, and it, like, breaks my heart because I'm like, I just, I only have enough treats for this dog. And, like, you're doing great, but, like, it's not about you right now. It's so bad. I still give him treats. And, yeah, he does the exact same thing. Like, he'll be behind, just like, paw? Is this a paw? Is this what you want? Is this what you want? Yeah. I got this. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cute. It is. Um, if <clears throat> your dogs were here recording this podcast, what drink would they be rocking? Oh, my God. Okay, so, like, uh, mm, like a Corona. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say With tequila, lime. But no, I feel like, no, sorry, I take that back. Um, uh, a Tecate. Mm. A Tecate with lime. Yeah. For sure. Beatrix is probably like a bourbon kind of gal. Like maybe like an old fashioned. Oh, I think. yeah. Yeah. Wow, fancy. Yeah. Um, we were talking about tricks. Tricks or stairs? Like you were saying, so you basically oh, said that, yeah. Queso, 100% tricks she loves them the one thing I've, I've been trying to work on with well i haven't worked on in a while but she won't go between my legs like i wanted I've to teach her to figure eight yeah. and she's just spooked by the idea of going through my legs for whatever reason yeah even when i first got her like going through doorways was like a hard thing for her mm. so i get that um so it's it's tough because i think she's very smart but she's also like sometimes uncomfortable so like that kind of yeah supersedes like you know, her ability to learn new things sometimes. But uh, Beatrix, she can sit. 
That's about, I mean, she's she's learned how to give a paw. She's gotten a lot better with her reactivity. Yeah. But uh, that was like a really hard thing to work on. I mean, again, she's just a stubborn it. dog. So even even sitting, if there's no treats, yeah, she won't do like anything unless there's food. She's like, what's the point? She yeah. doesn't like queso. Will just like do anything I ask because she just is obsessed with me and just wants to do anything to like make me happy. Yeah, she's like a people pleaser or like totally, a Katie pleaser. <laughs> totally. And Beatrix is like, what do I get out of it? Yeah. Every time I do foster, it is the funniest thing to just be like, oh, not every dog just learns everything like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like finding dogs that aren't food motivated. Like, oh, I haven't so had that yet. Oh, That's hard. So hard. Or just, I guess sometimes just like finding like the right treats. Yes. You know? Yeah. Your options are limited, I guess. Whereas like my dogs will like jump over backwards for like kibble. <laughs> like they don't even care. Like they'll That's take anything, great. which is great. What are Queso's like go-to tricks? Um, I think the favorite one that I've taught her is stick them up where she puts her paws up. She just like goes on her hind legs and like puts her paws up. Only when like I have to put out like yeah, a yeah, yeah. human gun, tell her to stick them up. Um, that's the best one. Paw, high five, lie down. She won't roll over either. She's very like, she doesn't really like to expose her stomach. So we were like never able to figure that one out. Took her to an agility course thing like one time. Oh. Which was super cool. Like I think like she'd be so good at that. Like years ago we went to, I think it was called Paws Playground. It was like on Queen's Key. I literally took her like before it closed because I found out it was closing. <laughs> I was like, I really wanted to do this that with her. That sounds so cool. She, yeah, like she was able to figure out all of it. Yeah. Which was great because um, she's just so smart. And I think stuff like that like really helps with her confidence. And so it was really fun to do that. It's just, there's really anywhere like accessible to go to do agility. Um, yeah. But. It's all like driver driving away. Yeah. yeah. Also like you're describing queso and boss sounds like a little mini version. Mm-hmm. Like he's not maybe like as like intense sometimes, but like definitely similar. Like yeah. Just like, it's, like certain little quirks or whatever. Like Yeah. Just... Like he, like we now, like, you know, even for his like reactivity or like whatever, like food is great, but like, it's almost like doing tricks is like his way to like get into his head in a positive way. Mm-hmm. So we like use that a lot on the street mm-hmm. whenever he's like nervous. I just like get him to do a high five and he's like, his tail goes right back up. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I think even with Beatrix and her reactivity, that's kind of our go-to is like pulling out a treat and she's like, nothing else matters because there's food in my that's hand. That's good. And we've gotten to that point yeah. most of the time. Sometimes yeah. it's got to be like constant treats. For sure. Depending on the dog that we're passing. Yeah. But there's lots of dogs we can pass by like no problem now. But yeah. but even then if she does like react to a dog, I'm like, we're going we're, we're gonna to do some tricks instead and you're not going to do that. Yeah. We've gotten to that point too where like if she starts barking at a dog it's like one bark and she's done because yeah. we're we're moving this somewhere else and like she's gotten to that point whereas like before she'd be like jumping all over the place and like you know honestly that's good progress it's so <laughs> activity training sucks it does suck. yeah especially when you have a 60 pound oh my dog god i can't imagine who thank used god to be boss. 80 pounds <laughs> also Squirrel chaser or scent follower? Squirrels for both of them. I mean, Queso, I wouldn't say she really has prey drive, but she definitely, like, gets excited around squirrels. I think when I, like, first had her, like, I almost encouraged it. I'm like, oh, you're doing a thing that dogs do. Let's do this. Yeah. You're excited? Cool. Let's, like, run towards the tree. Yeah. Because it was, like, the first time I'd really seen, like, any, like, personality come out of her, you know? I'm Um, bad, and I do that sometimes. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, with Beatrix, she goes on to, like, you know. Yeah. Full blown like meltdown when she sees a squirrel. <laughs> Costumes or naked? They're mostly naked. Uh, I mean, in the wintertime, K- 
queso definitely has to get dressed up. Um, and yeah, like Halloween, like, yeah. Oh my God. Last year I got this, um, straight to play did like an auction where they had all sorts of like, it was all this like older stuff from PetSmart, I guess, like costumes yeah. and whatever. I got Beatrix. It was like a hat that was a slice of pumpkin pie, <laughs> just a piece of pie on her head. And like, yeah, you can just imagine my dumb dog's face just like, hi, with like a pie on her head. It was the greatest thing ever. But, like, on day-to-day, like, they're mostly naked. My favorite thing for Queso is, like, a... She has, like, a... It's, like, a neon pink, like, American Apparel, like, zip-up hoodie. That's so cute. I love it. She's had it for so long, though, it's, like, getting tattered. Like, I have to see if I can find her a new one, because it's not in great condition. But that's kind of, like, her go-to. Like, on really cold days, she needs, like, an extra layer. But, like, that's kind of, like, what I like to dress her up in, because I love it. It's just, like, the cutest little hoodie. That's adorable. But... Beatrix is generally naked, like, even in the wintertime. She's a pretty big girl with, like, a pretty fluffy coat, so. And she's just, she's just big, so, like, finding stuff to fit her is, like, not even that easy, so. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot more, like, outfits and things for, like, tiny dogs. Like, even Queso, I think, her, that hoodie I was just talking about, I think is, like, a large, and she's not that big. No. She's 25 pounds, so. Hats it is for me. Yeah. (laughs) She just wears, yeah. (laughs) Need more, (laughs) more hat options Exactly. (laughs) What is the number one quirky thing that they do okay so i live on the third floor all stairs there's no elevator she has to be against the wall the entire time we go down the stairs and the entire time we come up the stairs like if we run into someone in the, in the stairway it's like a whole thing oh so i'm God. like you have to pass us like we can't yeah. we can't go around you because like we have to stay up against the wall like i'm sorry that's just how this works <laughs> like i don't know what to tell you because sometimes they're like oh go ahead i'm like no like i actually can't like you're you're in our path you're up against please like, go not against yeah. the wall you must move <laughs> yeah or like yeah if i'm like with a friend or something they're trying to walk up the stairs like against the wall i'm like no that's where queso goes like you're in queso's way like she's trying to get up the stairs you're blocking her way yeah this is the most controversial question i've asked do you have a favorite child <sighs> yeah like 100 percent. i think about it all the time queso is like queso is my dog like yeah She's the perfect dog for me, and I don't even know what I like. What my life would be like if I had not adopted adopted this dog? Because I had a partner at the time who did not want to adopt her, and that's kind of why I fostered her for so long too. Yeah, and uh, and look who stuck around. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I'm so glad she did. Yeah, just like the bond I have with this dog is like so incredible, and especially like after experiencing having like 22 other dogs like residing in my home over the years, like. There's no dog like Queso, and the bond I have with her, I don't think I will ever experience again with, like, any other dog. Yeah, I love Beatrix. People always give me a hard time for having a favorite, and I love Beatrix. The bond we have is just not the same. Yeah. And yeah, like, I'm not gonna lie, like, Queso obviously loves me more than Beatrix does also. So, the feeling's mutual. Exactly. And you know what, guys? Everybody has a favorite. Even if they're saying they don't, they do. Yeah, I think that's true. Like, if they don't admit to that they're just lying to themselves it's true well that was the speed round um before we sign off where can people find you business account uh hot diggity so hot at hot diggity apparel on instagram website is shophotdiggity.com um and then my personal instagram which is like 90 percent dog anyways is at kt and the dogs just the letters kt and the dogs and that's because it's mostly dogs a little bit of me but mostly the dogs and maybe the occasional foster cat as well but uh i have a lot of dog content to post because definitely 
there's always new friends coming to hang out, and uh, my dogs are adorable, so I post photos of them all the time, too. Gonna foster once Greta's ready to go? Obviously. Haven't figured out who or what, but... Uh, <laughs> when that time comes, you can, you can follow who this new dog is, see Greta's progression on all these channels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. I think, I, I think one of my new foster goals is to try and foster more dogs from, like, different countries. Just Ooh, to, like, add like on to that. my list. I think because Greta's from Dubai, and that's, like, a yeah. new one for me, like, the UAE. And I think I'm at... I think this is the sixth country that I've fostered an animal from. So, yeah, I want to kind of build on that, maybe. That's and, cool. Uh, just sort of, yeah. just I like you got to get kinda, a Taiwan dog. Yeah, like I need like new foster goals. And, the Taiwan yeah. dogs are so cute. Taiwan, India, Egypt. I feel like there's opportunities. Yeah, I'm obsessed um, with the Korean ones. Like I literally oh yeah. follow so yeah. many Korean rescues because they all look like teddy bears. Yeah. There are lots of dogs, and thank you for opening your home to them. Yeah, I'm glad to do it. It's. I think I get more out of it than they do. They probably don't <laughs> maybe like the same way. let's let's say like 50, the same 50? yeah fifty yeah. fifty yeah, exactly it's like a mutual thing exactly yeah all right all right thanks for chatting and we'll see each other soon cool. <laughs> even though we're right in front of each I don't know how to end this now <laughs> I'm like this is in real life what do I do <laughs> I can't just like end conversation <laughs> and we're turning the microphone off yeah that's right <laughs> bye guys. <laughs> Rescue Dog Moms is a project by Yamini, inspired by her rescue dog boss, who you can find on Instagram at badboyboss. To keep up with the Rescue Dog Moms podcast, you can follow us at rescuedogmoms.ca or on Instagram at rescuedogmomspod. See you soon.